This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted. Intercepted. The next time the ball. Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. We're talking about this off air, getting ready. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Scoop Duck podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Justin, I don't know how you do what you do, man. You got you got to write, you got to run a site, and you, it sounds like you got 25 little munchkins running around your house all the time. Yeah, summertime is a, uh, a tricky little bugger for me so summertime for you know and for i'm sure for most parents most parents listening to podcasts yeah you know my kids are in school normally all and then you know you kind of got the tweener age where you know you have kids where you're like okay are they old enough to leave at home you know that you know that like 12 13 ish range you know if you have high schoolers that are 15 16 you're not so worried about it but uh yeah you get that tweener age and you know i'm sure a lot of folks on here are trying to that listening at least, you know, juggle like, you know, work and home and how long they're home alone and getting home and feeding them and food and, you know, and, you know, as we were saying off air, since I work from home, my kids are always wanting sleepovers. My, my two boys are very social, always wanting to have sleepovers with friends, literally right. like every night. And so, uh, you know, most other of their friends' parents work during the day. So it's like, well, they, they can't come over to our house. Like, oh, well, I guess they're coming to my house again. So, yeah, like I was saying, I think we had seven kids in the house last night. Yeah, seven kids in the house last night, and we'll have another uh, five or six tonight. And just, I mean, it's it's chaos. That's amazing to me. Talking about families, talking about summertime, and how we all make things work. I I wonder how these Oregon coaches make it work. Because on one hand, you want to take some time off. You right. want to have a deep breath, relax, heading into fall camp and the Auburn game right around the horizon. On the other hand, if I sleep in, and I'm the DB coach or the linebacker coach. I'm afraid, man. Mario's going to be right over my shoulder. Yeah, you know, um, you and I have been fortunate to have, you know, Coach Crispell on the podcast before. You know, we know how hard he works. He works even, you know, when he's not supposed to be working, he's working. And so, you know, I definitely do dub him a workaholic, but they got to they gotta unplug. It's so important. I mean, I think it's important for anyone. Like, it's important, you know, for you, me, for, you know, everyone to get away from, from work and, you know, the everyday life or whatever and at least go take a break. And maybe it's a weekend trip. Maybe it's a night trip. Maybe you go for a hike. Maybe you just get out of town for the day. I don't know, but you got to right. You gotta break. So these coaches, I mean, if I'm them, if I'm, if I'm any of these assistant coaches, I'm literally counting down the days until I'm basically all in for the next six months without a break. I mean, that's the legitimacy of this thing. They're, they're about to hit uh, here in about three, you know, about two weeks or so. They'll be back. They'll have the big Saturday Night Live event on July 27th at Oregon. They'll get back a few days before that. Have 100 kids on campus probably, somewhere in that range. And so you have a huge recruiting event then. And then just a couple of days later, boom, right into fall camp. Once fall camp hits, you're done. You're married back to football. So, the, you know, <laughs> you're basically at the doorstep the, the night before and the wife's giving you a hug saying, yep, all right, I'll see you in February. Right. And that's legitimate, you know. So uh, for those coaches, I'm sure they're counting down the, the days knowing what's ahead. You know, once they 
once they get back and regroup and 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 get going for Saturday Night Live on July 27th, uh, it's a it's a gonger. I I'm and I and, and we can say it about Mario Cristobal. I think he's in a class of his own, and that is not a knock on his assistants because I know his assistants work harder than most other staffs, at least in conference and nationally. But I mean, I don't know that I could do what those guys do. I mean, you're talking about you know in the office till 11 o'clock, and then you're back in the office at seven in the morning, the next morning, you know, six days a week, seven days a week. And then, you know, you got to get, got to get up for a big game on Saturday or whatever the case might be. I mean, right. You're, you're basically rock stars for, you know, four or five months at a time. It's like, you know, it's like being a big rock star and having to get up for every show. It's, it's probably not easy. I wouldn't know. I, I don't think it would be easy. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see when we approach fall camp, uh, I was I was rewatching the spring game. Mm-hmm. It was on Pac-12 Network this last weekend, and I'm one of the the lucky few that yeah. I get Pac-12. You're a Network. one percenter. Yes. <laughs> well, because like like you know don't, they don't have it on Charter, right? Um, or they they do have it on Charter, but it's in SD, right? And then they don't have it at all on Directv. Correct. I recently cut the cord. I have Sling, and Sling has Pac-12. There Network. you go. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, I was I was watching Pac-12 Oregon. They had the spring game. And I thought about growth because Yogi Roth, who we've had on the pod before, mm-hmm. was talking to Justin Herbert, and the kid that he is now and the, the kid that he was when they interviewed him as a freshman and they interviewed yeah. him as a sophomore, so much growth, right. totally different player. I wonder who that guy is going to be, You know, that receiver, that running back, that DB, that linebacker. Who's going to be that guy that just leaps from now to fall camp. Yeah. And that's, you know, I don't know if you saw it just because I published it right for it, but I've started a series. The uh, breakout guys. The breakout guys. So I started as it's funny because I'm sitting there at the table and I write a bunch of names on the, on the, on my piece of paper, you know, and I'm starting to, okay, all right, you know, put them in together. It's the puzzle, right? So you get, all right, who's one, who's, who's seven, who's 15, you know, and, and I, obviously if you start out with number one, you know, it would be a huge discussion, but by 15, everybody's kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, right. no big deal. So we got to go reverse so people are <laughs> stay stay glued to it, you know, the old cliffhanger. Um, so anyways, you know, today was number 15, Brandon Dorless. And and I, the same thing that you just mentioned, I'm sitting there going over this, this list and, and trying to put pieces together of tidbits I've heard along the way, you know, because those guys are still working out. They're working out right now. I mean, right. they're doing – coaches aren't around, but they're still working out. You can see pictures every day. Um, ironically enough, I post that story, and about 10 minutes later, Brandon Dorless, who was number 15 today for me, um, who kicked off the list, posted a picture of you know him working out and some stuff. And so, yeah, you just you wonder because somebody's going to have it's there's going to be several guys this year that like take that next step. They have to. Yeah, they, they have I mean, to. Yeah, that's college football for you. So you know, last year it was like we'll just say it was Panay Sewell. You know, Panay Sewell and Javon Holland. Right. I mean, those two guys step in, boom, everybody knows who they are by about game four, you know, if not before. And, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely going to be some guys. And I I have to tell you, I can't give it away, obviously, but one through five was, was really difficult for me. I can imagine. Actually, number one and number two were pretty tough, and I could have flip-flopped them either way. And, and it will be a surprise to some people, I think, one of them. But... Um, you know, one through five, six, it was like, man, those, yeah, you know, just, 
you're almost picking hair. You know, you're just picking hairs at that point. It's like, all right. I, I can imagine. I think that's probably the toughest feature that you'll have to write this offseason because Oregon has so many guys that are right in the middle like that. Yes. Of they're not bad players. Right. You're not going to cut them. You're not going to bench them. You know, they're, they're going to get their due. I think about the backfield is a great example. Yes. You've got like four guys that all could say, hey, I'm a D1 caliber starting running back. Right. But who's going to be the lead guy for Oregon, right? Who's going to step up? Uh, receiving core, another example. Right. Other than Javon Johnson, there's a lot of guys that can say, hey, I'm good enough to be here, but who's good enough to earn those starters reps, you yeah. know? And uh, and so there's a lot of room for guys to prove it and grow. Yeah, I mean, uh, how do you push? And I know some fans aren't aren't the hugest fan of Brendan Schooler, but how do you push him out of the starting lineup? Given what he's done, you got to beat him. Yeah, he's a selfless player. I mean, he blocks his ass off. I mean, he plays hard. Sure, does he have the greatest hands? No, he doesn't. But I'm sure he's continued to work on that. There's no doubt in my mind. I know he's one of the hardest workers on the team. So. Um, but you know, it's a lot to add. That's the thing that fans don't get. You see it ha- like a Panay Sewell and a Javon Holland aren't common for a f- true freshman to come in and play like that out of the gate. You not only have to be smart, you've got to work hard. You've got to have a body that's ready for that. Right. And most importantly, you've got to fall into a position, a spot where there's an opening. You know, for Panay Sewell, yeah, there happened to be a spot at left tackle that was relatively open. You know, for Javon Holland, yeah, there was a little bit of uncertainty at safety. He happened, you know, you don't just come in unless you are an absolute, I mean, I mean like right now, one of the guys in my top 15, it's, it's no secret, Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, what do you oh, do? I'm stunned. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, tremendous player, tremendous upside, but right. who is he beating out? Right. I mean, that's the key. And, and, and luckily, he plays a position where... You, you naturally want a lot of edge guys yes. because you want your edge guys, you want your rushers to be fresh yep. and, and bully that offensive line that can't sub out. Right. So he's in a position where he's not going to get a ton of reps, but they'll figure out some stuff for him. Sure. Some other guys that might be in his, his group, like a, a linebacker. Yeah. You're not subbing a linebacker out. Right. Not as often. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, come uh, you know, come the fourth quarter, uh, maybe late in the second quarter, you're in a spot where you're needing to sub guys, and you know, heck, a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, he might only need three or four snaps to make an impact play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, so I guess talking about this list, it isn't just the guy, the, the breakout candidates aren't just guys that are going to be automatic surefire starters. I mean, I suppose probably, you know, one through three or four on my list. Are, are probably going to be regular starters, if you will. Um, and that's what's expected of your higher-rated guys. But, you know, when I get down from, like, 5 to 15, I'm basically saying, hey, these guys have potential to make an impact. Might not start, might not play every snap, but still could come in and see a lot of time will be a pivotal role on this team. And, you know, offensively, that's going to be tough to do because your your biggest group on offense that you, you know, that you have is your offensive line. Well, there's not a lot of openings there this year for somebody to come in and make an impact. So right. you take that group out and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, we're talking about, well, and obviously quarterback you rule out. So, um, you know, you take those two position groups away, um, you know, and, and Cam McCormick. I was on the fence with Cam McCormick. I'll be honest right now. I didn't list him, not because I don't think he'll be an impact player. I really think he will. I think he will have a tremendous season. Um, 
I just didn't because he's kind of a. I want to say he's a known commodity at this point. I mean, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, we know that there's tremendous talent there. It's just been injuries that have kind of derailed that. So, I mean, he's an example. So, you know, it's one of those things where you have to kind of. There is no black or white. It's like, all right, well, how do I fit everything in here? So you mentioned the two deepest position groups on the team, and I love this. I had uh, your your guy Max Torres on my radio show yesterday. Nice. And we were talking about how sweet it is that the Ducks are loading up on the offensive line. Right. Like, if if I sat down with Mario Cristobal and just had a moment with him, the first thing I would say is, dude, I love how you build your O-line. Yeah. Best position on the team. Well, and the crazy part is, you know, we're talking about this on Scoop Duck. You look at that group this year, and it's a great group. It is probably one of the best nationally. The group next year might be even better. That's amazing. Which is ridiculous to think about. And that's winning football. Th- yeah, that is, you're exactly right. Yeah, you can you can build a winning football team from the lines out. And that's what Mario Cristobal is doing. It's, it's okay, we're going to load up on D-line and O-line. We'll figure out the rest after that. And it certainly makes your job a lot easier. I'm not saying you don't recruit a quarterback or you don't need to get a running back. or You do need to get those things. But mm-hmm. let's face it, I would have to say that USC is probably more talented than Oregon on offense at every position right? except for O-line and quarterback. Right. Like, their skill guys are ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I don't know running back, maybe not. But you get my point. They have more skill, across, but they're just not that great offensively because their offensive line's terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's terrible. Well, we see this schematically. I-, I love where football has gone of teams aren't afraid to throw the ball now. You'll have teams that literally first, second, third down. Think of Washington State. Think of what USC wants to do. Yeah. They want to air it out. We see a divide where when it gets cold, mm-hmm. gets snowy, Washington State loses to Washington. Well, why? Washington's got a better line. Right. USC, Notre Dame, end of the year, same problem. USC, better team for three quarters. Notre Dame beats them anyway. Yeah. Notre Dame had better lines. Yeah. Big guys wear down the little guys. Yeah. I mean, we saw it with Chip Kelly for years and years. Loved the offense. We loved everything. Everybody loved the big explosion plays. I mean, it was great. It was tremendous. But the at the, the reality, at the end of the day, when they face teams with big, powerful lines like Stanford, like Ohio State, like Auburn, LSU, they had trouble. I mean, that's just the reality of football. So uh, it's fun to win a lot of games like Chip Kelly did and Oregon did in the heyday. But, I, I you know, like you're basically saying – Mario Cristobal is positioning this team, you know, to win the big games, the powerful, the games that matter, you know, down in the trenches. So I guess we'll see. That's the thing that about this top 15 list that we're talking about. What makes it so hard and and guessing who's going to be contributing next is all how well these guys are being developed. I think that's something we're overlooking. There's there was enough talent on this team through transfers, through the last recruiting, two recruiting classes and whatnot. Those guys are starting to be developed. So we saw this huge gap, and it's certainly closing now under Mario Cristobal, not just because of who he signed in 2019, but because of who signed in 2018 and then the transfers. And So I want to take this in another direction. Okay. I'm pretty sure you shared the phone line out on uh, on the interwebs. Oh, okay. I think we have a caller right here. Oh, we do. Okay. Do you want to do, do that? We'll have our first... So uh, let, let's do that. I don't know how many we'll get or how few we'll get or whatever, but we'll take a caller. So just so everybody knows... You know, ask your question. This is a podcast. I know you guys will hear this after. We can edit this, so if you want to be a, a jack wagon, I mean, go ahead. You'll get your five seconds of fame for me and Matt to hear, and then we'll we'll nuke it. So right. anyways, try and share your handle, call in, 
and uh, let's talk a little football. All right. Hey, caller, you're on. Hey, guys. Enjoy the podcast. This is Nacho Cheese. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing, Nacho? What's going, what's going on today? I've, good. I just have two quick questions, one for both of you. Uh, I'll start with Matt. On your Beavers, don't you think their win total is a little high? I think maybe like one to two wins. They'll probably beat the Cal of the blind school, but I'm not seeing another win. Uh, Justin, since I know you're a real OKG, I have a question on the Huskies. Don't you think their win total is high? I mean, let's start with their non-conference, BYU and Eastern Washington. Their two programs built, not bought, like Washington. Um don't you think they'll lose those two games? And then with Jacob Eason at quarterback, he reminds me of Derek Anderson. I mean, he's an interception machine. Uh, seems like a guy's career would end up at Western Washington. Uh, what do you guys think on that? I'll let you go first, Matt. You get sure. to you get to mess with the mighty beeves. Uh, on my my <laughs> beeves. I mean, it, it's one of those things. I love when people bring that up, by the way. And it's one of my favorite comments that I get on Scoop Duck. I'm not a Beavs fan. Didn't go to OSU. I just, I work in a market where we got to take them seriously because we air the games on my station. So, yeah, I, I talked to Mike Parker, Beaver radio guy. Uh, talked to the beat writers. Love talking about what they got going on. I agree, though. They're going to be terrible this year. I, I don't like Jonathan Smith. I think he's a nice guy. I don't think he's a great coach. I, I think they're going to really struggle this year. Um, the Washington comment, though, that made me laugh because I love Eason. I, I, to me, Derek Anderson's not a diss on him. He's going to be a good quarterback. Yeah, I, uh, I actually really like the Washington question, by the way. And uh, I'm with you. I'm not sold on Washington. There's two teams that I'm not sold on, and that's Washington and ASU. I think they're getting a lot of hype. I think Arizona State's getting a lot of hype, although I give Arizona State the nod for the fact that they're in the South, and the South is really weak this year and has been. Uh, as for Washington, yeah, I mean, you've got Stanford, you've got Oregon, you've got Washington State you've always got to look out for. Cal, you never know. They're going to get a fluke win or two that prob they probably shouldn't, but they will this year. Right. And, uh, and I agree. I I'm not sold on Jacob Eason. Um, I know there's been a lot of concern, and I would have to actually guess that day one, he's not the starter. So it, it depends on, you know, for me, Washington is okay on the offensive line. They're not very good at receiver. They lost a really good running back. Um, you know, defensively, they, they just aren't as strong as they've been the past few years. So I think this is that, you know, I want to say like, seven maybe eight win season for chris peterson not a not a bad season but not a great season and i do i do believe that this year up in seattle will be a real eye-opener you know just in the conference when oregon travels to seattle to play washington in october um i know it was a big win last year some people considered it a fluke whatever you want overtime win oregon right. won I think there will be no doubt this year. I think Oregon really pounds Washington this year. I agree that in hindsight, you look at that game last year, I think about the, the missed kick at the end. Yeah. The Ducks tried to lose that game. Yes. They gave Washington every chance to steal that game from them. Uh, missed kick, made it equal, and then they do their di they do their deal in overtime. I mean, that was, that was amazing there at the end. This year, if they do what you're saying, they come out and they make a statement against Washington, I think it could be one of those games that changes perception nationwide. Uh, got another caller on the line. Okay, they're coming in. 
Hey, caller, what's going on? Oh. Hang on. There you are. We got you. <laughs> what's up, buddy? Well, just had a recruiting question on the Scoop Duck podcast. Well, you got to tell us your handle first. Okay, Eugene. Okay, got, oh, with the Y, right? Y U U. Yeah, you're our you're our softball guy. I I love softball. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Good for you. So I would love we, we Matt and I would love to hear your question. Fire away. Okay, so other than Trey Benson, which of the currently committed recruits would you expect might get an upgrade as he goes through his uh, his fall season? Got, do you mean in terms of like rankings, like with twenty four seven? Exactly. Okay. Okay. Who might get a bump? Um, you know, for me, there's there's two guys that I really like, and and uh, fortunately for Oregon fans, they're both defensive players. I really, really love Jackson Laduke. I know Oregon has been high on him from the get go. You know, Washington, UCLA. There was a lot of really good schools that were after Laduke. He's a smart player. He's got the academics. He works hard. I think, if I remember right, I think he's around like an eighty seven or an eighty eight. Uh, hovering in 88 right 88. now. 88. Yep. Uh, he's a guy I don't think will be, you know, 97 or something crazy, but I could see him getting that four star status being a 91, maybe a 92. Um, I think it'll be really dependent on how well Greg Biggins uh, of 24 7 Sports is able to lobby for him and how many games he'll be able to see, if any. Um, you know, he, he's in New, he's in that, uh, he's in uh, uh, Nevada. So I don't know if, if Biggins will get over there, but I'm sure he'll watch some of his senior film. The second guy to answer your question is Jake Shipley. Um, I, I love Shipley. He had all of the offers that you'd like to see out of a defensive end. He had Washington. He had the schools that, that do really well recruiting defenses, in my opinion, from the Pac-12. And I know he wasn't a national guy, but again, he, I think he's like an 86 or something right now. He's really low. Um, that one, to me, is almost a no-brainer to be – you know, maybe borderline four-star, like 90, 91. Um, and I know these aren't huge jumps. I don't see anybody that's grossly misranked at this time. But those are two guys that I feel could go up. But on the flip side, I got a feeling that Butterfield and maybe a couple of these guys might slide down. Maybe Johnny Wilson, they might slide down a little bit. So it probably balances out in the end. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Huge. All right. We got another one there on the line. Let's uh, Let's get to that. Hey, caller, what's going on? Hey, Matt, how's it going? Seeing Green here. What's up, Seeing Green? How's it going, brother? Hey, J-Hop. So, hey, I had uh, two things I was going to throw out there. One kind of about Oregon football in general. Talking to a couple of guys, it just kind of seems to me that we really don't know what this team is going to look like. Uh, I mean, in terms of areas offense, areas offense, I mean, you know, he he did what he could with what he had last year, but I really don't think we've seen the full package. And defense, it's a whole new ball game with uh, with Andy anyway. So as the speculation kind of goes, we really don't know what we've got, and we probably won't know until after Auburn. So it's really kind of hard to project. I just kind of want your thoughts on that. Um, and then the other thing was, uh, I'm just curious about. You've talked a lot about the negative recruiting that Oregon faces, and, and every team faces it. Right. But I'm curious what you think the biggest factor in kind of turning that narrative uh, is going to be this year. I mean, obviously winning is, winning is important, but uh, I kind of wonder if maybe, maybe the style of play and, and how we look on the field outweighs 
what it looks like. I mean, if we lose by three points to Auburn, you know, yeah, it'd be great to win, but is that really a is that going to make us look bad in terms of recruiting? Sure. Those are my kind of my two things that I want to get your guys' take on. Sure, and I'll, I'm, I tell you what, I'm going to take your second question first in terms of the negative recruiting, and then Matt and, yeah. I, Matt and I will talk about football before. Um, so, right. in terms of that, yeah, you got to win games, um, but more importantly than winning games is how you look. And and I think we said that under Taggart too. You know, you, you had a very undisciplined team under Taggart the one year he was here. Obviously, he wasn't around for a second year, but Mario Cristobal was able to show a difference in discipline and attitude there. I, you know, at the end of the day, I think these these recruits really are just looking at you know who's fighting and who's playing hard, and you can see that on a week in, you know week in, you know week in and week out basis. You can see in the fourth quarter a team that's still you know scrapping and clawing and trying to make a game out of it versus one that's you know kind of giving up. You know, fans can see it, recruits can see it just the same. So. I think the biggest way to combat the narrative that Oregon's facing from a negative recruiting is developing football players. That's what I'm seeing and hearing regularly is, you know, hey, they're not developing guys and putting them into the league. And, well, while that's somewhat accurate the last couple of years, it's been a little bit drier than usual, mm-hmm. there also has, hasn't been that talent to put in there. That was a really bad few years of recruiting, and there wasn't a lot of talent. So I think... This year, Mario Cristobal has a chance to send his entire offensive line into the league, other than Panay Sewell, um, pretty early. I think you've got several early round guys. You've got Jawan Johnson, who's trying to play his way into an early round kind of a guy, and then you've, of course, you've got Justin Herbert, Troy Dye, some of these guys that people are talking about already. So, yeah, I think that's the first part. You just got to develop guys. And an example I would use, and and I think you can see it. Diamador Lenore and Thomas Graham grew up the most last year, in my opinion, from start to finish, beginning of season, end of season. If you go and yeah. you fa- if you go and you fast forward, look at Oregon's defensive back recruiting since that happened. They they signed some really good players in 2019, DJ James, Jamal Hill, in January, and now you've got a loaded defensive back class now. Why? Because you were able to go and show these guys' development over the course of the year. Have they been drafted? No, but you could almost literally chart their growth over the year, and I think that's big. Uh, Matt, as for football, what do you think? Yeah, you you mentioned the scheme and the versatility. This is something we talked about a couple weeks ago, the idea that last year when you take window dressing out, you take formation flips out and, and some slight personnel alterations, really the Ducks only ran 25 plays, which is nuts. Yeah, But even if we assume the Ducks add, say, 20 more plays and you got 45 plays I don't think Mario Cristobal is going to get that cute because if I had to trigger or or sort of aim at what I think he is as a coach you look at Nick Saban at Alabama you look at what Dabo Swinney is doing at Clemson it's not the most complex ball it's smash mouth yeah and and when you look at smash mouth coaching over the decades i think about vince lombardi having five six plays all game but can you stop it right right it's not bill walsh it's not bill belichick they're going to run the same play down your throat until you prove you can stop it and i think that's going to be interesting for oregon this year how many plays are they going to add not that many because they're going to just try to do what they do really well yeah it's going to come down to execution it'll come down to execution and you know, the, the moniker people use, which fits in here, keep it simple, stupid. Just, right. you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, and I, I agree with that. I, I think 
the, my thought on the, the offensive piece of it is I don't know that we quite have the personnel to hold up over a season of smash-mouth football. I mean, I think you saw that at the end of the year. Right. All of our backs were kind of dinged up, and the running game wasn't effective. And granted, um, Penne being out ha- had an impact there. But, you know, in order to really run that smash-mouth, you need that bigger back, and you need a couple of them yeah. uh, to really hang in there. And, and I don't know that we have that yet this year. Wilson, I, I guess we'll see, but I just don't know that we really have what we need to run that style of offense yet. No, and I, I think my point to that is I think just from a, a, a fan's perspective, the thing I think that will be different is I think the passing will be more balanced. And so, you know, what I mean by that is it won't be just, okay, we got to get it to Dylan Mitchell, and that's all we got. <laughs> there's no, there's no, I don't think Jawan Johnson will be Dylan Mitchell, but he doesn't need to be. I think there's a better supporting cast, three or four wide, that Herbert will feel more confident in. And I couple that with the fact that Cam McCormick comes back and looks like the Cam McCormick we expect him to. So that element alone, and just simple, I think the passing will be will be better and we will see a more balanced offense a little closer to 50 50 run pass but in turn that will also make the running more effective you'll see bigger chunk plays instead of having to fight for every yard or every extra two three yards or whatever the case might be so i think those are the right. i think those are the elements there as for avalos and defense i think it's simple i think you'll see a lot more blitzing You'll see a ton more pressure. Oh yeah. That, I mean, I think it's just I think that's a fundamental of his, and I think it'll lead to more turnovers, kind of like Aliotti, but without the craziness. You know, without the <laughs> the offense. There's going to be a cap on their creativity. Yeah. They're not going to get too cute. Defense, whole other story, yeah. man. They can go crazy. Yeah, they're going to look for turnovers. So that was a pretty good run of callers there. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I we might have had a couple that we didn't get to, but yeah. I mean that's it's yeah. a good problem to have. Yeah, we're you know we and, we apologize, and I will work on that because I'll I'll get into the weeds here. Technically, sure. there is one cable that I do need to rig in this board for like a call waiting. Gotcha. So that somebody calls in and they hear us, sure. and they don't feel like they're just sticking a phone in their ear for fifteen minutes. Perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that's a guitar center run waiting to happen. Perfect. And that's good. You know, that's good to know. You know, hey, we're this was our test run. We're trying to see how it goes. To everybody that called that we were able to talk to, uh, perfect. That was great. We appreciate you guys and keeping it on topic and, and, and uh, you know, some being able to spark some great discussion. Yeah. You know, if we didn't get to you, we apologize and we, we, we will fine tune this thing. Uh, I'm not sure that we'll do it every week per se, maybe every other week or I don't know. We'll figure it out. It depends. Yeah. I mean, like, like if we got an eleven forty five with Yogi yeah. or or Mario wants to jump on, obviously yeah. we're not going to be able to do this every week. Sure, sure. No, exactly. We'll we'll try and do it as we can. Uh, I thought it went perfect. So for I think those three that we were able to speak with, you know, perfect, knocked it out of the park. I thought that was that was fun. I'm, yeah. I would sit here and do it all day, but you know, I got kids at home too as well. So right. <laughs> hey, somebody brought up a good point. Um, negative recruiting, and then you responded by saying you think a remedy for that is draft day. And and it reminds me how this week on SI.com, Albert Breer, mm-hmm. NFL draft expert, yeah. came out and said, Justin Herbert's my number one. And he talked about Herbert's got all the measurables, Herbert's got the, the right mentality, 
Um, obviously, the arm talent is there. Sure. He's going to wow all the scouts. We don't know if his film's going to be good enough yet. We don't know what he's going to look like drawn plays on the chalkboard yet right right now he's the number one overall pick in the draft yeah i think that'll be huge for the ducks from, yeah. from a negative recruiting standpoint you can say well dylan mitchell's a seventh round pick but when herbie goes one one yeah all of a sudden the ducks can develop guys well and the reality is this nothing generates buzz in the nfl draft like a first rounder you, you could have seven fifth rounders or whatever, and mm-hmm. that really won't move the needle all that much. No. What, what moves the needles, uh, you know, it, it. you obviously, you move the needle a pretty good degree if you got a first rounder. You move the needle even more if you got a top 10 player. Move the needle even more if he's top five. If he's number one, you've maxed the needle. And it doesn't matter what else is behind him because Alabama and Clemson are, are, and Georgia, they're always going to put five, six guys in. That's right. That's how they recruit. When you recruit guys the way they do and you have number one classes year in and year out, you're going to have that type of talent coming out. If you're Oregon and you're able to stay, let's say, let's say as high as seven, which they were last year, and maybe stay between 15, if you're signing seven and 15s and you're able to get three, four, five guys consistently in every draft class going out in you know the, the first four rounds or better, you're doing enough to mm-hmm. you know show these recruits, hey, we're developing guys, we're getting guys out. And... Uh, I think that's the key. I think, you know, it didn't matter that Oregon had, uh, you know, Jelks and Mitchell and Ugo Amati last year. As much as we all appreciate those guys and what they've done at Oregon, it didn't generate the buzz because none of them were going early round. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether, you know, whether any of the offensive linemen that he has goes in the first round with Herbert this year won't matter. It will be, hey, we had a first rounder and then four other guys drafted. Right. And it didn't matter when those other guys got drafted. It, so that's what you need. I mean, that's what Washington's hung their hats on. They've been able to send a Byron Murphy into the first round. Corner you. Yeah. Every year yeah. they're sending a corner they're on They're sending day a one, corner, a DB, somebody. And, you know, they've been able to slide in. Uh, they were able to slide in a John Ross somehow in the first round. I mean, which is cl- which so far has been a bust. But still, they right. got to put a first rounder into So, right. you know, they're hanging their hat on that. Uh, you know, USC's hanging their hat on all of the first rounders they've put in, you know, through the years. I was just going to say, yeah. like, to me, they're the best example of this, where Ronald Jones III was a terrible college running back. Yep. Was not a successful college running back and shouldn't have been a day one, day two NFL back. But teams were just tripping over themselves to draft Ronald Jones because OJ, Reggie Bush, yep. Marcus Allen, USC is the like pedigree. a running back factory. Yeah, the pedigree. Right. Yep. And and so they just assume USC running back, right? And and Oregon can build that where you've got Mariota, you've got potentially Justin Herbert, right? You know the the, the duck quarterbacks, duck offense, Jonathan Stewart back in the day. Yeah, uh, I, I think about D line when Kayvon Thibodeau's turn is coming up. Yeah, teams are going to say DeForest Buckner, sure, right? right? And and they'll take a flyer on a guy in that first round. Yeah. No, you, you've you've got to build that pedigree, and that doesn't just happen in one year. You can't just oh, we had four picks this one year, you know, in a first rounder. Great, do it for three, four, five, six, seven, ten years. You know, and right? USC's been doing it for a long time. Washington's about to the point they've been doing it long enough under Chris Peterson uh, with Jimmy Lake there that they're getting to that point at least with the defensive back group. And so, I mean, there's something to be said for that. And you know, Oregon again, just it's just been a dry spell. You know, all the guys that have gone in the last couple of years, great for them. You know, chance to play in the league, stay in the league. There's lots of ducks in the league. 
but you still got to have that firepower, that number, that, that it doesn't have to be a number one, but it, you know, a, an early first rounder really, you know, pushes things. Right. And that's, I mean, that's just it. I mean, everybody's using that against Oregon, which is really stupid considering how many first rounders Mario Cristobal's put into the league mm-hmm. at Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just stupid. But again, that's recruiting for you. I think, at least this is the trend to me. I'm not saying that the Ducks O line is as good as the, the Clemson D lines that Dabo has sent to the league the last few years. Right. But once that dam broke, and and everybody saw okay these Clemson guys right they're they're putting up some good stuff yeah. year after year really good Clemson guys making it to the league last year we saw the whole Clemson D line go in the first round right and Cleveland Farrell to my Raiders at at four like right. that was a, a total reach but it's because they love Clemson D line guys right they believe in them and when you see like like in a couple years when Penn A gets his chance. And then Penne dominates in the NFL, like we know he can do. Yeah. All of a sudden, Mario can have an O line factory. Yes, and that's that's and that's exactly to your point that you made earlier. Oregon's probably got one of the most cohesive, most consistent, you know, just strong, developed. I don't want to say, it, but I mean, they've got a seasoned veteran group of offensive linemen this year. Across the board, are they the most talented group of offensive linemen in the country? Probably not. But chemistry and cohesion and experience, all those things considered, it's a very, very strong unit. Now, if Mario Cristobal can get a number of those guys as, let's just say, even if their third, fourth round picks are better and can get a number of those, you know, two, three of those guys on there, I think I think Hanson's got a chance. I think Lemieux's got a, a serious chance as a guard uh, you know, I mean, a couple of those guys have a serious chance of being, you know, like New England type guys. Yes. They really do. Oh, yeah. You can do that. Again, I'm saying, I'm saying that this offensive line group after, after this year has better NFL potential. I mean, you're talking about Panay Sewell, who will likely be a first rounder. I think Stephen Jones is a guy that ends up as a first rounder when it's all said and done. And then you've got you know, Salah Amave, who, I mean, he's a monster. He's, an, I mean, six foot eight, 350 pounds. He's I a monster. I, I just, my eyes go nuts every time you bring up his measurables, man. And I don't think he's a guy that contributes this year, but he doesn't need to. Redshirt him this year and put him in, you know, put him in behind those guys. He can still play four games if you right. redshirt him. Put him in when those guys are all gone. He's an automatic plug for Warmack or Lemieux at guard right away yeah and if you want to move him to right tackle you probably can not to mention you got jonah t that's already showed up on campus who we're not going to go ahead and say he's a first rounder but But he has a lot he has a lot of potential to to work into that monster tape yeah i I i'll never forget the reels of him going one-on-one with Kayvon thibodeau yeah and that's where you know because everybody thought okay Kayvon thibodeau number one defender in in all of recruiting and Jonah's holding his own with them. It's yeah. like what does that say about Jonah? Yeah. And that, I guess that's my point. You've started a factory at that point. You've started 2 3 years of offensive line play of guys going early around. They're going to I mean they they kind of already are lining up to play under Cristobal now, but it will be even more ridiculous after a few years. And can we talk about how neat it is that people don't have to freak out about Jonah anymore? I know, huh. 
He's here. There's pictures of him. He's here. There's yeah. like I, I I check Scoop Duck for prep. Yeah. There were like five threads every day. Every day. And there was like the serious reserved thread that you'd put out of yeah. like, hey, Here's everything's okay. Right. Don't freak out. Right. And then thread number two, somebody else slightly a more, little more spooked. Number three, more spooked than that guy. Four, freak out. Five, tinfoil hat conspiracy yeah. going off the deep end. Yeah. Everybody was freaking out. Yeah. So here's what that's called. That's called uh, June and July. When there isn't shit going on, <laughs> people get weird, man. Like I, you see it every year, and every year people are like, "Oh gosh, what the 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 board has turned into a, a bunch of crazies." It turns into a bunch of crazies June and July every single year. Bunch of fine bomb callers out there. I don't man. I don't care which site it is. I don't care which team. If you have more than five hundred people subscribing to your site, it turns into a bunch of nut jobs. It just does. <laughs> Okay, maybe not the Oregon State site because they're still building up to it, but you know they don't have enough people. They don't have enough people. That's, that's a dirty yeah. secret. I, yeah. I can say that because yeah. uh, again, everybody thinks I'm a Beaver fan. Yeah. They don't have enough fans out there. No, they're they're still working into that. But yeah, I mean it's it's the same thing every year. June, July, it's just you know the, the fortunately fortunately this year there was a bunch of commits in June, which really kind of helped weather the storm a little bit. I know folks think it got crazy and it kind of did, but. You know, that's why, if you've noticed, I've already shift, shifted gears into football. I tried to wait till 4th of July. It's like, okay, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off. Otherwise, I'll run myself out of stuff by Dog the end of July. Summer. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I was trying to time it because from, you know, July 4th to basically Saturday Night Live now, it's going to be really dry. And so at least now we got football stuff. I see there's a lot of comments on, you know, my prediction for Auburn and, and already some comments on my breakout player number. So, I mean, people are excited to start talking football again. I'm excited to start talking football again. I'll, I'll ask this question this way. This okay. is the last thing I have for the day. And then if you want to hit anything else, we can. I noticed your Auburn prediction. And yeah. and kind of what, what made me perk up is – you're not the only one talking Auburn right now. I, I see this all over the, the national sites. Yeah. I see this on the Duck sites out there. Everybody has an eye on that Auburn game. Is that the most important game of the year? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, like you said, people not even related to Oregon and Auburn, you know, not our Oregon and Auburn fans, uh, you know, outside of that are paying attention to uh, that game. I mean, it's going to be a big game. Obviously, in Dallas, it's an opener. Opening weekend is as good as it gets. Opening weekend in college football is freaking glorious. So, I mean, I'm excited for that game. Um, I, I think one of the stories in the story is the matchup of the offensive line and defensive line. You know, Oregon's got a really strong offensive line. It looks like Auburn has a really strong defensive line, and it's kind of like, all right, which one of these units is going to win out? I don't know that Either of them are going to win out, but they're going to have their moments. And so, you know, it's it's crazy. Here's what's crazy about it. The last few years, you know, Oregon's opened up against Montana Northern or whatever it is. Right. You know, powder puffs. Yeah, powder puffs. And it's boring. Like, it's great because football's back, but <laughs> there isn't anything on the line. Like, if, you know, the only thing on the line is if Oregon doesn't win by 40, they've failed. And with Auburn, it's like, dude, there's stakes here. There's there's a legitimate. We got a game. This tells us this tells us where this team is right out of the get go. Mm -hmm. This this game tells Auburn where they are out the get go. It's opening weekend. I mean, it's like, and it's in Dallas. I know people are excited to go back to Dallas and watch the game down there and check it out. Um, I mean, it's just it's a it's a different level. It's it's fun and it's fresh 
and it's it's just kind of new for fans because again the last few years i'm trying to think back i think lsu was the biggest one uh opener and that was like probably three four that was four or five years ago Uh, that's a ways back it's a ways back so and this is all memory so yeah here we go we got auburn out the gate um and of course you come back and you got a couple powder puffs but then you got stanford right after that so uh, this season shapes up this is a much more difficult schedule for Oregon this year than last year's schedule. There's no question about that. So when it comes to strength of schedule, when the rankings come out, they'll have some power there. Hopefully, if Auburn doesn't flop, if Auburn flops through the SEC, then that really kind of juices them a little bit. But, you know, with with Auburn or Stanford early, um, I do think Washington's a little bit overrated, uh, in my opinion, at this point. But we'll see. Chris Peterson does figure out, figure out how to get it done. Fun season, just I mean, yeah. I mean, fun. You got you got a, a great offensive line. You've got Justin Herbert. We all know this is his last year, of course. And so you just got so many things. It's just like there's just it's the potential. It's the potential of this team that has everyone so excited. To me, if I were to ask what makes a great season, obviously mm. the national title would be you well, know yeah. icing right. on the cake. Right. But to me, a great season for this team is win the Pac-12 title, yes. get back to those heights before you look at the college football playoff, before you look at New Year's Six Bowls, just yeah. win the Pac-12. Right. And so I am inclined to pick the Stanford game, the rematch of, you could call it a robbery, you could call it a choke job it there was, at the end, yeah. depending on your perspective. Right. I mean, I think they got screwed by that officiating call in the third quarter, yeah. and then you know we, we've beaten a dead horse on that, that fourth quarter fumble, really. Yeah changes the tone of that game. I think that's a bigger game than Auburn, but just barely. It's like a 1A to 1B. Yeah, yeah. It's a. So I did uh, Oregon's five toughest games. Uh, what's today? Wednesday? So I think Monday Right. I did that. And uh, I had all, I had Washington number one. It's a rivalry game. Those two teams just freaking hate each other. And last year went down to the wire. Well, last year, yeah, yeah. I mean, those two teams, I mean, like Washington has negative recruited Oregon to the nth degree since then. I mean, that's what, so, I mean, there is some serious bad blood between these two programs and not just because it's tradition, but these two current staffs going after each other right. with recruits. So, I mean, it, that's an all timer, but to me, Auburn was next simply just cause it's, it's a barometer game. It's, you know, where, where, where is this team? I mean, if Oregon gets smacked by Auburn, I mean, I guess we readjust everything as far as yeah. our expectations, but, uh, Stanford was close. I mean, just so close because early, early uh, conference game, you know, David Shaw is such a good coach. I don't think he has the talent he's had in years past, but it doesn't always matter with him. He figures out a way to win because he's a tremendous coach. Yeah. Those are smart players. I mean, that's why they're at Stanford. Um, he recruits really well for what he needs. That's one of the things that gets overlooked with, with Coach Shaw. He doesn't always get a top 10 class or top 20 class but he finds the guys he needs that fits what they do. So, yeah, uh, one, two, three, those are all somewhat interchangeable. Auburn, Stanford, Washington, but you got to win two of those three. Got I'm not, to. You know I'm not the recruiting expert of the, of the group. I always defer to you guys on that, but every time I hear David Shaw talk about his hands tied behind his back in recruiting, yeah. of how he can't even offer a kid until you're accepted, Right. Because of Stanford's acceptance standards, it's like a service academy. Yeah, the Navy, the Army, the Air Force teams. David Shaw has a service academy basically in the Pac-12. Right, and they win games every year. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, he is 
restricted in that regard, but he also has an ace in the hole. It's at Stanford. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's literally the best degree. So, I mean. If you can get into Stanford, you're going to go to Stanford. Yeah, you, you should. By all means, kid, go to Stanford. So, I mean, he has an ace. He has a trump card in his back pocket. But, yeah, he also has some hoops to maneuver to get to that trump card. So, I don't know that I especially feel for David Shaw. But, obviously, when you get there and you're the head coach of Stanford, you figure out how you need to recruit and who you need to recruit, and you adjust accordingly, which he's done. Yeah. Bay Area, beautiful campus. Oh, yeah, Man. beautiful campus. Mm. That campus is 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 one of the best out there. And, again, if you can get into Stanford and get to play football for free, I mean, duh, seriously. Jump on it. Duh, yeah. All right, so yeah. that, that's everything I have. Uh, anything you want to hit before we call it a day? Uh, I mean, just freaking basketball. The women's basketball is recruiting unreal. I know. I know. I, I want to get Kelly on the pod so bad because he's such a good dude and – he is building a monster. Monster. So uh, Coach Graves was in Medford a couple weeks ago at Duffin for the Ducks. Right. Talked to him for a few minutes and told him we wanted him on the podcast, and he said, great. So I reached out to him yesterday, and he said, hey, look, I, I could, but I'd have to, he would have had to come on early this morning. Okay. Like 7 in the morning or something like that. <laughs> I, said, I couldn't remember what it was, but because uh, he's out, he's working right now. He's, he's, out, he's a workaholic. He's working. Yeah, he's working. He's out watching games and doing things right now, so... We're, we're going to effort for next weekend, or next week, excuse me, hopefully, if the schedules align. And I told him we had some flexibility on Tuesday, Wednesday, and we'd work around it if that worked for him. Um, and then there's another guest that I efforted for that um, nearly came on today, but might come on next week. So we might have two guests next week. Um, That's fine. Yeah, we might. We'll see. Again, as you guys know, I mean, this is, I mean, I could line up four or five guests, but the problem is if all four or five of them hit, Matt and I would be screwed. So <laughs> I try for one or two and hope that one, one of them pans out yeah. and it doesn't always. So we get an yeah. hour every week and Justin's got a bunch of kids. So yeah, it, that's guess. tough in the yeah. summertime. Yeah. He's, he's got to have that hour. Otherwise his kids got to eat. Yeah, his gotta kids got to be entertained. They yeah. got to do stuff. They got to have the water slide bounce house, all that kind of crap. Hey, yeah. I forgot that Kelly Graves came into our neck of the woods because yep. They didn't send out to me. I didn't get a press release because sure. I, I don't think I have the, the basketball press guy in my email. But um, it, it cracked me up. I was reading the quotes of his interview he gave with uh, Newswatch 12, our oh, TV yeah. station down here. And he's hyping up South Medford. Yeah. And for those who don't know, high school, high school sports scene, South Medford high school hoops, really damn good every year. Yeah. And... It cracked me up because I know why he's hyping them up. Oh, yeah. They got a girl in the pipeline yep. that she's going to be number one in the country in a couple years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's a stud. So She's a stud. Kelly Graves working his magic, he, trying to he, add another five-star yeah, to that class. He's, he's a smart, smart. I mean, and it's funny because I've said this before, but you know, back when the old staff was here at Oregon, the old football staff pre-Taggart, you know, one of the assistants like, man, we need to go figure out what that Kelly Graves guy is doing. This is before they're winning. This is before right. Sabrina – you know, when they're just superstar, they're just reading the headlines just, on who yeah. he's bringing in. Yeah, they're building, they're building. This was in the building phase. Like, man, we need to figure out what he's doing because it's clearly working. Man, if they could see it now, they're probably like, man, yeah, it was definitely working, and yeah. it's working big time. It's it's amazing to see that program, you know, transcend into what it's becoming. I mean, it's really, it's you know, as somebody said, you know, UConn is becoming Oregon East. Yes, <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> I, I am yeah. the world's biggest Kelly Graves fan. Yeah, uh, absolutely love covering that team. Love his story. Got to meet his kids working high school hoops here in the state. 
um, he's building something really special. Yeah, no, it's funny. We, you know, we were standing on a, on a putting green and talking for a few minutes, and you know, talking about the podcast, and and, and uh, you know, I said, I, you know, it just seems like the, uh, and this was in passing, so take this as off the record, whatever. This is nonchalant. Just you know, I said, hey, you know, really, coach, I said, what you're doing's impressive. I said, but what's even more enjoyable is the relationship you seem to have with some of your players, like Sabrina and stuff. He's like, oh, you know. We have fun, but, you know, they need somebody to keep them in line, so that's what I do. <laughs> I, it's, it's just funny. I mean, you know, he's, and he's always smiling and, and joking. Around, but, yeah, I right. mean, just uh, it's very – I think he is – what I like about Coach Graves, I think he's a a really good blend of a player's coach but not just a player's coach. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, look, we can be friends, but you got to toe the line. Yeah. You know, and, and I think – Especially with with a women's team, that's a very delicate balance, you know. Of course, um, and I, I think he has absolutely mastered that fine line. You know, yeah. you, you can't be too soft and just be their buddy. Um, you know, I think we saw that a little bit with, with maybe some Mike White softball teams. I think maybe he was a little bit too far, on the, and then it got them some wins. Mm-hmm. But as Oregon fans know, they couldn't finish it off. You know, right. and, and maybe that was a discipline thing. We don't really know, but obviously with Coach Graves. He's got it down because he's get. I mean, they're there. I mean, they're knocking on the dang door. I, I would use this as an example, and I know you're going to have a, a couple people go out. There goes Matt with his beaver love again. Uh-oh. But but you look at the difference of how, say, a football team is coached, mm-hmm. where you want that drill instructor, you want that yeah. guy that's on you, um, versus how baseball is coached, where Pat Casey at Oregon State yeah. would recruit a couple guys that were just culture builders sure. and and locker room leaders and let them run everything. Right. Of of the leaders in the team were their managers. I think basketball you need a middle ground because yeah. these players they, they do so much on the floor just themselves. Yeah. Uh, Ruthie Hebert, Sabrina Ionescu, just playing off pure chemistry. They don't need a big play sheet. Right. Um, they don't need a lot of rules, but they need a little bit. Yeah. You, you basically, you build the room, and then you let them paint it. Well, the my opinion, and I agree with you, my opinion is the more players your sport requires – the more you need those locker room leaders. So we'll take football, for example. you got 100 players on the team. You cannot watch over 100 kids oh, yeah. as a head coach. Yeah. You've got to have those locker room leaders. You've got to have assistant coaches and GAs and guys like that to help oversee it. Baseball, bigger roster than basketball has. So, again, you can be Pat Casey, and even if you just get a couple guys, you know, you can manage that locker room and that roster, you know, Whereas basketball, you're talking about eight or nine people most of the time, maybe 10, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're talking about it can be manageable for one person, a head coach even, to you know do both things, to be disciplinarian but also be a friend. So, yeah, different sports seem to require different roles, I guess, if you will. But, yeah, like again, and I think it's based on numbers. You know, how, how, how big is your roster? You got 10, you can handle it yourself. You got baseball, you got what, – what's a baseball roster? You got 25? If yeah, usually about 25, 30 20, guys. Yeah, so, you know, you've doubled it or almost a little more than doubled it, so you need a little more help. Football, you've gone and, and times that by four, so you need way more help than baseball does. So I don't know. That's how it looks to me. Yeah. Who knows? Well, we'll, we'll see what we can do. I'm always excited when you, you bring guys on because I get to learn all yeah. these new things yeah. about them. Yeah, no, we, you know, there's no shortage of guests out there. I, I try and keep them, and, you know, pertinent to what we're doing. Um, you know, I think we'll get to – We'll get uh, Dave Bartu from College Football Matrix on the next couple of days. We need to get Hitler Day back on. Right. 
um, probably in a couple weeks as we kind of gear up for Auburn a little bit. Um, I would definitely want to get him on and, and talk about that game. He's posted some really interesting things on the site about Auburn. Maybe their D-line's a little overrated, if you will, um, in his opinion from what he's seen. So I'll be interested in, in having him expand on that a little bit. Well, of um, course they are. Oh, yeah. It's geography. Yeah. We'll get Coach Graves on, hopefully. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get uh, maybe some Oregon football coaches and some other stuff. So, um, yeah, we, we should have a uh, fun next few uh, podcasts, hopefully. SEC bias is real. It is. <laughs> that's right. I, I think it is. I've always felt it is, but that's another discussion for another time, I guess. We'll save that one for next week. Yeah. Uh, as always, listen really anywhere. And Justin has gone above and beyond to make sure this is true. If, if you listen anywhere, iTunes, Stitcher, Android, Google Play, doesn't matter. You can find us also online, scoopduck.com. Yep. Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. Listen anywhere. Thanks, guys. I can do this now